Hi, my name is Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. And you're listening to Wine, the long and the short of it. In proud partnership with Give Wine a Future. How well do you know your wines? From the simple to the complex, from acidity to Zinfandel. Welcome to Wine, the long and the short of it. My name is Antonia Dominguez, the long. And my name is Linda Coogan, the short. Between us, we have over 30 years collective experience in wine buying, wine retail and wine education. Every week we discuss a topic, product or trend from the world of wine. In this episode, we are going to be looking at understanding wine labels, Antonia. Yep. So it's going to be a pretty chunky, hefty episode that we're going to break into two parts. And um, the first one being the old world wines. And what I mean by that is the likes of France, Italy, Spain, hmm. you know, European the traditional. Nations. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then the new world countries, again, you know, the newer ones to making wine like Australia, Chile, USA. Um, Which we'll do in the second part. Yeah, the second part, second part. So the first thing we're going to kind of cover is like, what is the point of a wine label? What's the point? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the point is to give you some information so that you can actually understand what it is that is going to be inside the bottle to help you choose a great wine. Or a wine that suits your preferences. Of which we have covered before in season one. So (laughs) be sure to check out those episodes. Um, yeah, because so it's tricky. It's so tricky for, especially when you come to old world, like we said, like you said, Italy, Spain, France, but France in particular, a lot of the regions there, so confusing um, and assume so much on the part of the consumer and that they know so much more than most consumers do. It can be really tricky for consumers to kind of figure out, is this a bottle of wine I'm going to enjoy? A hundred percent. Definitely agree with you there because, I mean, the new world, which we'll talk about, you know, did kind of, carved the path for people, newer consumers to wine and made it really easy. Do you want to start talking to us about, are you kicking off with France or where do you want to yeah, look, go I in think, Europe? Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're going to talk about other things, not just, you know, old world, new world. So, um, I, you know, to start with, I'm going to tackle the whole issue of when you're looking at a label, you know, how do you um, establish the grape variety or is it the region you're looking at or is it the grape and how do you, you know, how do you kind of establish the basics, I suppose. So um, I'm going to start with the most, probably the most confusing one of them all, which is, <laughs> oh, well, actually, no, I'll ease us in with um, one that people, you know, really recognise, which is is Rioja. Rioja. Uh, Rioja. Rioja. Um, and um, I don't know how many times I've been asked by people like, is Rioja, is it the region? Is it the grape? Yeah. You know, what is it? Um, so, yeah, look, Rioja is the region for people who don't know that. It's, you know, northern Spain. Um, a DO or a DOC or a DOCG depends on what country you're in. But they are, it really is what it is, is a defined territory. And it has like a regulatory council or body that governs the production of wine in that defined territory. So you have a board or a council that decides like what grape varieties every producer can use, what are the yields that they can produce, you know. What so do you mean by yields now? Yields are, you know, the yield, like a crop yield if you were dealing with, you know, arable crops or agricultural crops. So how much you you, the, you grow, how much you grow and okay. how much how many grapes you take from the vines or can produce on the vines okay. and use to make your wine. 
Um, so look, I was going to go on a whole other tangent there about yields <laughs> and its relationship to the quality of a wine, but I won't go no, there. No, no, no. Um, so, so in Rioja, yeah, when we look at a label and we see Rioja, it's the region, but we already, we will know, or we will know now, I suppose, yes. um, the main grape variety grown and permitted to grow in Rioja is Tempranillo. And a lot of people know Tempranillo. Other gr- varieties that are permitted are Garnacha. So you often find a Tempranillo Garnacha blend. And there's two others, two other main ones, I should say, Masuelo and Graciano so we won't we won't go they're usually like tiny percentages in the blend so we won't go there and And it may or may not say it on the front yeah yeah to be honest I probably I think I'm trying to remember rarely rarely I think it's rarely on the label Um, we won't go into the whites because that's you know Rioja whites are brilliant and totally uh, underrated but um, I won't confuse people we'll stick with the reds for now the most popular ones, I suppose. Let's stick with, you know, yeah. um, that. Yeah. And okay. just to mention as well, like we will be talking about front and back labels of wines, but more so, I suppose, when we get to the New World section yeah. too. Yeah. The other thing you'll see on uh, a Rioja label is uh, some sort of, well, you know, some sort of a classification in terms of the ageing or the youth of the wine. So when you see, see Joven, which is J-O-V-E-N, <laughs> Joven mean it means it's a young wine. It has had no aging in oak, right? Then you might see crianza, which a lot of people recognise, and that means that the wine has been aged for two years, one of which has been in barrel. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, reserva is another term we might see, and that means that the wine has been aged for three years, one of which has been in barrel. Okay. Right, and mm-hmm. the remain. When I say one of which, minimum of one, you know. But usually, producers will will uh, choose to age for longer than that, and the rest of that aging, that required aging period, is in bottle. And then Grand Reserva. So now we're talking five years aging in total, with a minimum two years in, in barrel. So these are terms that um, that we see all the time. And the thing about Rioja is it's traditionally like this kind of region that's associated with oak aged red wines Mm -hmm. and that's why they always felt it was important to put that aging classification that indication on the on the bottle so the consumer would know what kind of a wine they're going to get obviously the more oak aging the more complex it is probably the more rounder and fuller bodied it is um so and i won't i won't get into the mechanics as to why but um it is supposed to tell you something about the style of that wine a hoven with no oak aging is going to be a lot more of a you know a fruit forward juicy brighter style of a red so um these terms are important but they by no means and this is something i really feel like i have to clarify they are no by no means a quality indication people always had this impression in my experience that you know the more age it had in oak the higher quality it is. Now, it might be a case that it's more expensive because for the producer, it's been more costly to tie that wine up in barrel for that length of time. But it certainly by no means is is um, a quality indication. And I see more and more producers in Rioja who are now choosing not to put an aging classification because they feel it isn't, it's, it's misleading to the consumer who, you know, who kind of relies on these terms to to give them an idea as to the quality of the wine so they prefer to say no no like they're the kind of modern winemakers in Rioja that are saying away with that we're doing away with all of that Crianza Reserva that people got used to that people got used (laughs) to because I could have a wine that's had you know 
Crianza aging, maybe one year and barrel or less. And it's a phenomenal wine because I've used the best grapes in my vineyard and, you know, on the best sites and I've handled it very gently and so on. And it's a, it's a super wine and it's got, you know, not just the oak complexity, but it's got, you know, brilliant fruit and generous fruit and so on. So just given a little bit of context, <laughs> that to me, yeah, is kind of, so, you know, Rioja is the region, you now know the grape varieties you can expect from the region and there's if there's an aging classification what it means excellent thanks for that yeah you're welcome okay <laughs> next so you know this i think breaking it down like this you know with the major regions like this you know it is a chunky thing and some consumer but consumers are you know expected to kind of learn a little bit more themselves when they find a particular style that they like then you know yep. suss out different producers and that kind of thing and uh yeah and that. so definitely. can i just ask you if there was a producer that you thought their crianza was really good would you you know stick with that producer that brand and and suss out some of their other wines for different occasions say a hoven would be one that you might like possibly chilled yeah um and then if you wanted something that you wanted to have a big meat dish with lamb and you know loads of, of herbs yeah. and spices you might go up to a, a reserva yes so it's that kind of thing so yeah stepping I, stone I suppose and depending on your style yeah stepping stone stone and style like you said and like we said in season one mm-hmm. which is you know there's a style for every occasion and for every kind of setting and and like you said if you're not having food a hoven would suit you perfectly okay. but I, I I mean I would struggle having a big Reserva or Grand Reserva on its own or maybe I wouldn't I don't know maybe but <laughs> I, would, I, think, <laughs> I think I would need a bit of food yeah, yeah. and and again like that that's the whole point uh, and then that's why it's really good to see to understand what these terms mean in terms of the style of the wine and I would also say that um, I do think there's so many Rioja producers that it's really good to familiarise yourself with the producers that are yeah. that that you feel are, 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 you know, like the fact that you see Rioja Crianza on a bottle does not automatically mean that bottle is going to be a great red wine. Because so this like is anything, where trusting, you know, a shop that you, you, you buy in and things like that and taking their advice if they've kind yeah. of tasted a range and they've selected yeah. what they feel is the best for, for their customers is really important. And just to clarify, Reserva yeah. on a Spanish wine label in Rioja is just for... Spain and Rioja. It's not so. If I move Reserva in France, is that the same thing? Am no, I leading you to France? No. Yeah, yeah we will go, go to France now. But <laughs> but there are other regions in Spain that use that term. So Ribera del Duero okay. is another one that would use Crianza in, in, and, and Reserva, and they even have an extra one called Roble or OBLE, and that means it's had a, min- a minimum of six, six months. months. So um, there are other regions that use Reserva. Um, France does not, but we have um, France we have is its own yeah France is its own okay, so that's kind of the major yeah. region of Spain wrapped up yeah but we also you will see it creep up again with Italy we'll see it even in the new world like Chile and they mean completely different things okay right now on to the lovely France and let's start with Burgundy now Burgundy like <sighs> if you're buying Burgundy I think you probably have you know an iota or two as to as to what goes on there and what their classification systems are like, you know, and what their styles are, I think, because Burgundy in general is, is pricey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pricey, um, you know, and it's it's big bucks when you, especially when you go up to, you know, Grand Cru and Premier Cru levels, uh, quality levels. So look, I suppose the big thing 
for me about Burgundy and a lot of the regions in France like Bordeaux is that the French assume that you understand, you know, the region that the wine comes from and that you understand. Well, you're expected to. You're expected to know the names of the different appellations or sub-regions that are mentioned in the bottle and you're expected to know um, what grape variety uh, you know that represents or is in the bottle I kind of sp- suppose grape variety we can be forgiven because to be very like to really simplify it in Burgundy there are only there are principally two grape varieties for char- for whites Chardonnay and for reds it's Pinot Noir so when we even look at something like Chablis which is in Burgundy and people this is the one we always talk yeah, about I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like Chardonnay, Chardonnay but, but I love Chablis, Chablis. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the Chardonnay grape variety. We weren't laughing at the person who says that. No. We're laughing at us. Yes. Us doing it together without rehearsing, you know. Exactly. Uh, but 100%. And it's like ABC, anything but Chardonnay, except Chablis is an un-oak style of Chardonnay. Yeah. So it's not what people were used to from, say, example, the, the New World, Wolf Blast or something like that, that was oaked. I have to say, I was caught out last week. <gasps> after mention, I was on that an MW seminar which is compulsory once a year it's a week long intense excruciating great experience there. You, were, you were partying left right yeah, and centre yeah right not um, blind tastes and, and, and blind tasting and mock exams from 9am and theory sessions well, and workshops and all sorts and yeah very intense but brilliant learning curve obviously um, but I was caught out in one of my blind tastes we had um, a flight of um, what I assumed was burgundy wines but they were all from well it said it only tells you you know wines you're wrong four, you know <laughs> wines four to eight are from the same region okay um um you know just specify or like identify the origin as closely as possible and then you have to go on and talk about other things relating to those wines but i had um i thought that one had too much oak to be a chablis and it had turned out to be a chablis grand cru okay. so just to correct okay. you that um, unoaked style of Chablis, yes, generally speaking, Chablis is unoaked. Yeah, Chablis is unoaked Chardonnay. Up to a point. At higher quality levels, they can and do use oak. Just to say. Again, as you said at the very beginning of that um, section about Burgundy, Bourgogne, yeah. if people are buying Burgundy, they will know what they're buying. Yeah. You know, you're not going to go and spend 60, 80, 100 quid on a bottle of Grand Cru if you don't like yeah, a sophisticated, elegant, yes. lightly oaked so, Chardonnay. I'm going to try and summarise Burgundy, right? Good luck. As you said, Chablis. <laughs> Generally speaking, Chablis. You're talking white, crisp style of a, of of white wine made from the Chardonnay grape variety. Generally unoaked, but as we've just said, not always strictly the case. So. Um, when you're talking about then quality levels and classifications outside of Chablis, you can have what's, you know, just it might say Bourgogne Blanc, right? Mm-hmm. So your white Burgundy. And that's your basic Burgundy and it can be made from grapes grown in any part of the region, right? Um, then you, you, you know, in terms of going up the quality stakes, you have uh, AOC Village. So it might say, um, for example, um, Bone or Saint Roman or Nuit Saint Georges, and that is telling you that the grapes have been grown in um, that region, in that sub region, that appellation, and presumably better quality. Well, I suppose the whole point of defining and you know, 
geographically is that you're saying like you're you've got more control over the grapes you know where they're coming from they're coming from a very specified site because mm-hmm. you know the quality is good there okay yeah so it is a quality statement um and then after that after sort of um village well i said i said subregion it's more like a com- a communal the yeah. communal appellation after the communal appellation you have um premier crew Right. So Premier Cru um, are specific vineyard sites that have been identified as being, you know, again, this is all done by the regulatory council who, you know, of of Burgundy, who decide which sites should be Premier Cru, designated Premier Cru and which aren't. And they are identified as having particular characteristics that are conducive to high quality grape growing. So that'll be indicated on the label because it might say, say it's Merceau. You're talking about Merceau. Well, it'll say Merceau, Premier Cru, and they'll state the vineyard name. So it might be Le Perrier or whatever it is, right? That's how you know Premier Cru. Okay, this is Premier Cru. So now this you- is where your labels are not just saying a brand name and a grape or anything like that. You're, you, this Forget is where it. the technical yeah. parts that you need to understand. So anyone buying... Burgundy is going to know their producer is going to know the sites they're buying from but ultimately it's going to be the two principal grapes a white Chardonnay yep. a red Pinot Noir yep okay. and there's one more quality level and this is the top which is the Grand Cru I buy that all the Grand time Cru. No. Yeah, I mean the Premier <laughs> Cru you're already up in the hundreds like you know like uh, definitely 100 plus and Grand Cru you know you could, you could be going into I mean I was thinking of one recently so, so Grand Cru you'll know because it'll say you know, say it's the appellation is Pouligny Montrachet, and then it'll say Grand Cru. Um, but it will, it will. It, some of it doesn't even say the appellation name. It just says the vineyard name. So it might say Chevalier Montrachet Grand Cru, and that's it. And you're supposed to know. Oh, that's the vineyard site in well, Pouligny Montrachet. You probably have Burgundy. someone like buying wine for you at auction or something at this point, yeah. So maybe yeah. you don't need to know it yourself. You just hand a gorgeous wine. Well, I was thinking, if you like a Chardonnay. Well, this is it. I was only thinking of um, our friend um, Luca in uh, Rosa Madre because oh, yes. so yeah because say one iconic Grand Cru wine from Burgundy is Romani Conti. And actually, when I was in Burgundy with Roisin, uh, visiting Roisin in in um, look at her name dropping. in October, ha, had to get it in there. Um, she did bring me to to the Romani Conti vineyard, and we got a picture out uh, just at, at it. And it's yeah, so you let in though. No, but it wasn't the winery; it was just the vineyard. Okay, okay. and it's just like a, t- a tiny vineyard. It's like um, yeah, because ooh, all of these uh, these <clears throat> excuse me these yeah. Grand Crus are going to be teeny tiny parcels like it's not like tiny. you can just make tiny. as many cases as you want and sell as much as you want yeah. this is like you know yeah and it's got this, this old okay can we move on to yeah. something now okay, that people might be just... able to go out and buy that or listen to us <laughs> they're 12 euro Fair Chardonnay enough. please okay. <laughs> okay okay well anyway Luca and Rosa, Ma- Rosa Manley actually sells like a load of what like he sells every night of the week He's always putting up pictures of his of his of his, of his, of his, of his, of his sales of Burgundy wines, and they're always like Romani Contis or Echezos. Echezos are made from the demand Romani Conti as well, uh, Richborgs and all. The, you know, yeah, amazing these wines we can't and pronounce. And if you know, if you don't, if you have to ask the price as well, you, yeah, you, don't you shouldn't be drinking. You shouldn't it. be there. Like, to know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that's Burgundy. It's very it's complex. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's generally speaking outside of Chablis. Well, Chablis has a four tier system. The rest of Burgundy has a four tier quality system. And that's how it is. Your basic Bourgogne, Blanc or, you know, Rouge. Then you have your AOC Village. Then you have your Premier Crew. Then you have your Grand Crew. 
that's it and you were not going to get a, a, a grape stated on the label or anything like of that sort we you know will for Bourgogne Blanc and Bourgogne Rouge at the basic level they've started to introduce oh, have they? Okay. The, yeah 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 a couple well, years ago started to just Chardonnay yeah. and Pinot Noir but like you know that's it the, the entry oh, level style I yeah. do I do like to mention Aligoté it's the other white grape variety in Burgundy and it's starting to creep up a little bit more in restaurant wine lists and things like that so it hasn't got the kind of character of a Chardonnay grape variety but it, it is capable of making some really elegant wines as we've seen from Rochin yeah Sorry, there's another mention of Roshin. God, she's going to think I'm ridiculous super You're fan. doing a Tim on her. God, I'm the equivalent of you and Tim. Yeah, I know. It's not good. <laughs> okay, so, so, so Spain, France. So well, France, we've Burgundy. just had two regions. We have had... We don't only mention Burgundy. Burgundy. So there is Bordeaux, which is the other minefield. Okay. And I'm not going to, if you think the classifications in Burgundy are complicated, okay, so just, I'm not going to go there with the 1855 No, 100% you're not no. going to go there. That's no. like, you need but, to kind of start doing a wine appreciation course yeah. if you want to understand Bordeaux and France yeah. in much more detail. But just okay. basically. Really basically, Bordeaux, similarly to, to uh, Burgundy, Left and right bank river. Oh, sorry. I was wondering why you're waving your hands in the air. <laughs> Left okay. and right bank. Yeah, so, okay. But Just, before, before we go there. Okay. Similarly to Burgundy, you know, you're, okay, you will see the word Bordeaux, Bordeaux Superior at, on the basic quality levels. But like that, you're going to start seeing sort of village names, town town names, you know, um, Omadoc, Margot, Saint-Julien, Saint-Estephe. And you're supposed to know which of those are on the left bank and which are on the right bank. Who cares? Why do I need to know that? The reason you need to know <laughs> that, I love the way you plant the questions that the consumer <laughs> wants to, or the listener wants to, to know. The reason is, okay, so the grape varieties um, in Bordeaux are principally Cabernet. So they're always blends, usually, usually with some exceptions blends a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot but they can also have things like Cabernet Franc they're allowed to have some Petit Verdot and so on Um, but you know principally we're talking Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot and the difference between left bank and right bank when I say left and right I'm talking about you know the Gironde River and there's the left it's obviously it's a river you know valley and there's the left bank and there's the right bank and on the left bank they grow more Cabernet Sauvignon than Merlot and on the right bank they grow more Merlot than Cabernet Sauvignon so you you inevitably get wines that are produced from you know the Appalachians on the left bank are more Cabernet Sauvignon dominated and those that are grown on the right bank are more Merlot dominated and Merlot generally speaking is a more fruit forward a plumper juicier grape variety and so and you know adds more body to a wine so you get sort of these more fruit driven um as I say voluptuous kind of supple reds from the right bank whereas the left bank you can expect you know with Cabernet Sauvignon and the big powerful tannins it produces and in cool climates herbaceous notes and you know cedar and all these kind of things you can expect um probably more structured wines but also wines that are more age worthy okay. and top Appalachians and top kind of Grand Cru's and no, no, all no, of don't that go there. they can fetch that's why they fetch <laughs> lots, big of, lots of money so again so um right bank Santa Emilion would be the most well known and that Pamaral. would be Pamaral. yeah but I'm talking about that you know everyday consumers would see yeah, I mean, a lot of mm-hmm. Santa Emilion on the shelves that they would recognise on a wine list and that whereas people presumably buying Pomerol would know oh this is going to be a bit more expensive I know what I'm buying 
and have a bit more knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So they're easier to drink younger. Yes. Sound, sound more approachable. More, more approachable. And again, we mentioned in our, you know, our favourite wine but, I trips. Mean, sorry, let's not forget. They're not always more approachable. Some of them are also really age worthy. Petrus like, is a, an amazing example. Sorry, just had to get that in. I know have we're trying to have to choose. No. Neither have I. No, but you had, you had a Mouton uh, Rothschild 98 just the other at the day. weekend, as I you did, do. Yeah, yeah. Well, explain the kind of, you know, what yeah, that means. Like. <laughs> you know, kind of, you know. <laughs> it wasn't my first time having it, you yeah, know. Of course you have them every no, day. No, I have week. a lovely, lovely uncle over in the UK who has been buying wine for a very long time. And um, he's a collector, like in a total French wine snob and uh, knows what he likes buys in bulk at um, on premier prices mm-hmm. so I think he only spent 80 only spent 80 euro a bottle back in pound, pound a bottle back in 99 99 okay um, and has kept it and stored it for then he bought three cases of it at the time you know and, and how was it showing it was just absolutely like, can I you mean, describe oh. it it was just, it's so fresh. That was the first thing that I, I noticed about it because this is what happens when you've got the most, you know, one of the most iconic producers and that and like the best quality grapes. And it was so, And like, so let's f- bear in mind, 25 years old. 20, like, no, like not, like, so again, sometimes like red wine, we might've mentioned before that red wine, when it's in its youth, is kind of purple and, and deeper in color. And as it ages, it, the, the red fades. Mm-hmm. The opposite is true of white. But this was just so vibrant in colour. It was so juicy. Like there's not in it. Like if I got that and you said to me, how old is this? I probably would have said 10 years old, mm-hmm. not 25. Wow. The the tannins, it was silky smooth, gorgeous black currant fruit, you know, but like not jam or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just absolutely amazing. We had um, beef bourguignon. Did we? We'd beef bourguignon. We actually had a mixture of stuff because we opened it the last day I was there for lunch at mm. lunchtime. I mean, I imagine how, look, yeah, I know. But, you know, he's so generous. And I think, you know, I also had a Clos de Pape, which is, was 2007. You're just showing um, off. I know yeah. I'm showing off. But you see, that's why I love my Uncle Ray so much. A uh, hundred point Parker, Robert Parker's a wine guru. And it was just unbelievable. So that's a Chateau of de Pape for anyone who doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. And again, on the back label, Nothing, not even a back label. You are supposed to know, Claude Pap, what exactly it is. Do you yeah. know? And sometimes French wine can be so intimidating, and sometimes French wine can be just bought by wine mm-hmm. snobs that want to have a collection. Yeah. And then people, you know, they buy these fancy wines and they don't really actually know a whole lot about the rest of the world. And I think that's where we have to look at things and help consumers that are drinking all styles, mm-hmm. all types from absolutely entry level to, to high end and help everybody in mm-hmm. between. Now, you mentioned on Primor there. So do you want to explain what that means? No, go on. You can do that. Okay, thanks. Why are you giving this job <laughs> to me? Well, on Primor means, you know, the chateau down in Bordeaux um, they once they produce the wine of that vintage they are barreling it down they're putting it into barrels and obviously they know their stocks are going to be tied up in the barrel for some time while while the aging process takes place because you know usually you're talking about minimum 12 months 18 months in barrel for these wines and um, in anticipation of selling to market um they allow, you know, they basically allow, you know, sales of that wine while it's still in the barrel prematurely, if you if you like. And collectors 
who are eager to sort of get be the first to get their hands on that vintage, especially if it's a vintage that's particularly strong or, you know, hailed. They they go down um, in their lorry loads. They do. They participate in tastings and they'll they'll buy an allocation before it's even bottled. Yeah, you see. So this, again, is really confusing for people who may have never heard of this term mm-hmm. on Premier mm-hmm. because you're tasting wine that's from a barrel that you've no idea what it's actually going to taste like when it's ready to drink I'm doing yes um, which was 25 years later from my uncle do you know that way so this is what is confusing about French wine in particular regions that I mean they, they aren't exactly consumer friendly for a lot of the higher end wines that you know so if it has a, a year on it well how do you know if it's ready to drink no I mean that's the whole point of these wines is what, what collectors and investors seek and these types of buyers now remember we're talking about the higher end on, on you know in terms of pricing um, what they're looking for are wines that they can sell her and they're looking for wines that are age worthy and the best vintages will be considered those that produce wines that can be uh, mm-hmm. that have serious aging capacity and that will improve and have a that can, that can basically improve with 20, 30 years of salary. Isn't it? Isn't it unbelievable? Yeah. It, it is, unbelievable yeah. And, and that's what know. they're looking for. And there's, they're, okay, the, the wine when they're tasting it out of the barrel is by no means perfect. It's not the finished product is nowhere near it so this is experts that will but these are people who can tell that and yeah know. that so know okay. trained palates exactly and know what they're doing it's not joe and mary going no. in from well you know some buyers mightn't have a clue but they like to you know the whole i i'd say know, it's a pretty fancy i'd say you're like you know they like, like to fancy like. themselves a collector yeah. but certainly there's certain things like is there enough fruit concentration there already how much tannin is there high tannin is their acidity really fresh and those are the key markers to like to tell you that this wine has serious aging you know potential getting back to labels now yeah we're, okay we're so mouton rothschild uh, has um you know commissioned artists to do their their artwork on the labels since the early 40s I didn't um, know that. Did you not? Andy Warhol is the only one I can name because all the rest I don't. I don't know who <laughs> they are. But they commissioned and they're given freedom. But it has to include the ram and um, the pleasure of enjoying wine. Very nice. Yeah, lovely. Um, should I mention any more old world regions? I mean, I was going to go into like, for example, Barolo. That's another well-known one from Piedmonte in the north of Italy. And just very quickly, I mean, Barolo, they call it the king the of king wines. The king of wines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do they call it the king of wines, Linda? Um, I don't know. I'm thinking about fog and stuff like this. I'm not. I'm Nebbiolo fog. Uh, Nebbiolo's the grape. Why do they call it king of? I mean, I'm just... I don't have a... <laughs> there's no right or wrong answer. I believe that it's just because... Um, it's so tannic it's so tannic oh, right, okay. and that it's a big 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 wine and powerful, it's powerful okay, and okay. it's uh, the age worthiness so within Italy it's probably the one of the kind of bigger bigger styles of wine that you can find um, and, and in terms of aging capacity like mega aging capacity now yeah just, just to clarify yeah. Barolo is again going back to this issue of labels Barolo if you see it is the region and not always will it state the, the grape variety but the grape variety planted in the region of Barolo is Nebbiolo and Barolo, a lot of people Nebbiolo. a lot of people no. wouldn't know that and you wouldn't expect them to know that but they, they say that Barolo is the king of of wine or king of grapes but it's actually the Nebbiolo wines. grape 
Yes, yeah, it is. But within, so say Nebbiolo can be grown and, and, and is produced and in Lang and you know, you know Serra Lunga and all these places. But but it's Barolo is probably known for producing the highest quality version of the Nebbiolo, you know, variety of wine. Can I just say I am yet to have a Barolo that I have fallen in love with mm-hmm. because every time I have one, it is too young or not ready to drink or whatever. Yeah. Now, I know there's Italian specialists around and, you know, they, they kind of know their stuff, but they really need to be yeah. 10, 15, 20 years old to actually appreciate and you're going to be paying a pretty penny. Yes, I, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, they Can are Can we aged... talk about some regions that people would actually buy? Yeah, but just electors. let me finish about Come Barolo. On, on. They, it has to be aged for three years and two months after <laughs> harvest by law. <laughs> I know, including 18 months in oak. Right, just their bog standard Barolo. So like they've had oak, but like there's tannic, the grape variety by itself is serious tannin. Um, it's quite like austere and high in acidity. I can, My I can God, feel it's the so dryness. tannic. Yeah, 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 even though it has these beautiful array of flavours, rose petals and strawberry um, and floral, all yeah, sorts of things. Yeah. Um, tea bags. <laughs> I know it's a random one. But that's dry tea. though, you know, dry you know, tannic. Quite savoury, um, yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, but I agree with you. But they say that producers in Barolo are starting to make more approachable versions because they recognise that like the market today doesn't sell our wines and drink them 15 years, maybe besides your uncle and the collectors yeah, yeah. we talked about. They don't buy Barolo wines typically now to sell her. So they need to start thinking about that and, and making more approachable styles. I have yet to try one a, a, like that has had sufficient age where it's kind of. But then again, you drink that same tannic red with some like gorgeous a food, veal yeah. or some steak or some food and it's a completely yeah. different ballgame. Um I remember um Elio Grasso, do you know there? Um Elio so who? Grasso? No. I think. Um when I worked in Sweeney's the owner brought, went over on, on holidays, Piedmont he loved it there and came back with so sorry, he brought it back um exclusive to him and some of the brawlers were just unbelievable. And they were actually a lot more approachable, younger, yeah, right. you know. But again, what I love, like he, he wouldn't just sell to any old person who came in looking for one. He'd sell it to someone looking them in the eye, you know. I love going, that. Well, what are you doing with this wine? Are you actually going to look gonna after drink it? it? Are you yeah, is this yeah. for something? You know, and yeah, I love, yeah, love that. that. Love that. Uh, now, honestly, we are really like, you know, seriously, these are high-end wines we're talking about here. But okay. for our average Joe soap, Mary and Tom. Yeah, but look, the only other one we haven't touched on that is kind of, you see everywhere is maybe, well, I don't know, Chianti's? Yeah. Or what what else? I have a few other little things. Okay, so Chianti. Chianti. Right, it's in Tuscany. (laughs) (laughs) And you drink it with fava beans. (laughs) Um, So it's in Tuscany, right? Um, I keep banging my hands out, don't I? Because I get really passionate about these topics. So Chianti, um, yeah. So Chianti is a grape, yes? It's, no, it's the region. And in the Chianti DOCG, you have to use 70 to 100% of the grape that you use to make your Chianti wine is Sangiovese. Sangiovese. Yeah. Sangiovese. And Sangiovese is... um. Yeah, it's an indigenous grape variety from the area. You get it like a lot of it sort of mid and north of Italy, but it's kind of really sour cherry. 
notes and it's it's really high acidity and you know it again it, it, it has an affinity to oak so a lot of these wines are have time and oak um yeah and then you can go into sort of Chianti Classico which just means that it's got like it's got a bit more alcohol um it's, it comes from like you the know higher elevations the, yeah but the yeah. heart of the region with Classico and Chianti yeah. yeah um and again though so lovely cherry flavors and that kind of tart note and acidity but again what's in Chianti what's in Tuscany pizzas and pastas tomato based yeah. things so again 100%. grows together goes together yes you know yeah um, brilliant yeah brilliant pairing like a tomato based pasta <sighs> with a Chianti or any you actually Sangiovese. cooked the most amazing dish I need to put up how much garlic you used but that was actually <laughs> insane how much garlic you used I was like this is for two people seriously yeah and we had a lovely free, yeah. See, people are not. I mean, I don't know. I know that I use garlic in, like, you know, colossal amounts. No, I swear, I'm actually popping this out with show notes about um, the amount of garlic that you use, Antonio. It was insane. Yeah, I I can't remember what wine, a bulb, yeah, a head. Isole Elena, Chianti Classico. Oh, we did. We were, yeah. It was lovely. Yeah, it was lovely, yeah. Yeah, it was actually a little bit more riper than I expected it yes. to be from previous vintages, which is interesting. Anyway, okay, so... And just going back to that right, term, Reserva. Well, Reserva in Italian is Reserva with an or I is. or I. It just means that it must be aged for two years um, versus, I don't know what it is, one year or whatever for a, a Chianti a Chianti Classico a normal Chianti Classico um, so so yeah those are the things again now you know Chianti is the region you know the Classico means that it's just coming from better sides higher elevation it's kind of the heart of Chianti and Reserva means it's had more ageing in oak these are just simple terms to help people understand the wine a bit better hopefully mm-hmm. We are going to do a quiz that is going to throw a lot of this back at you again. Great. Do you know, but it's like a one-liner snappy, let's go, do you know, so that we yeah. can kind of recap and kind of make it fun that if people, and I love hearing from people saying that, oh, I'm shaking out the answer and I'm pausing it. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I love Great. hearing that. So yeah. we will do a recap on, on all of these as well. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so. What have I missed out on? Any other old world regions that people really want to you know, get their head around. Well, Sancerre, okay, is Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc. Blanc. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else about? I actually made it really simple and tight here as well because honestly, yeah. there's so much to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, that you know, we we really don't want to overwhelm people. We want them to go, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to learn more. Mm. Presumably, people who drink Sancerre might know Pouilly-Fumé and they'll know no. Fumé is kind of the appellation next door to Sancerre but has more flintiness and minerality in it because of the, the soil type there and whatnot. Uh, maybe. Okay. Maybe not. Only if they're educated okay. into that. Not necessarily. Okay. And then again, people who drink Chardonnay, Poulet Fousse yeah. is the in area Burgundy. that in Burgundy that yeah. has Chardonnay. And again, those two can be really easy mixed up. Yeah. Fumé um, and Fousse. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like it, it can be really confusing, but hopefully some of this will help you understand. And we have um, a little kind of directory that will help you if you're on our email list. Mm-hmm. Um, I have put together a, a list of terms to help people with their labels. I suppose what I just wanted to say about um, the old world is um, that they the reason why they have to be so strict in, in different regions and have their rules and regulations um, it's, it's historic it's tradition 
it's the way things were done and there's generations of family kind of abiding by these rules so that's why they're not trying to be difficult yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and they they want your sales they want you to buy the wine but yeah. then the new world when they came in you know they're like oh these guys are doing it this way we don't have to yeah. we're starting off fresh let's see what we can shake up and by god did they shake things they up they did it's a funny one though too isn't it because you know, if you're a producer in one of these traditional regions, you you know you want to you want to be able to tap into other market segments, not just one particular market segment. Yeah, um, and you have to do that by sort of how you communicate, how you speak to the, the consumer. But the the fact of the matter is, in these regions like Burgundy, um, there's so much demand for their limited supply that they don't really have to worry about. Um, you know, changing their labels or changing their terminology or making themselves, you know, communicate um, more clearly to to the consumer because they're going to sell out anyway, you know, and they're only at the current prices and for the foreseeable future going to appeal to a certain type of a consumer, one that is, pro- is prepared to pay a lot more for their wine and is therefore familiar with that style and with, with, with those that, with those labels and whatnot. And geography you know? has a lot to do with this as well. Yes. You know, where you are. If you're in Europe, you're probably more likely to buy European wine. Yeah, but you're, those Bergen, those big wines that we're talking about, the Grand Cru's yeah. and everything, they sell like in Hong Kong and London auction. Mm. And as you said, in Europe. But I'm talking also about every day though. Like, yeah. Okay, so that's probably incorrect yeah. as well because Chile is the biggest one in, in Ireland's market. But yeah. yeah. But now, yeah, oh. you, you know, the, the, the great example that we have is, is sort of like in terms of you don't have to be, rest- I mean, producers have broken the mould away from tradition and when they've done that some like it's really produced some remarkable um sort of outcomes and one example that comes to mind is super tuscans we just talked about chianti in tuscany and there's other appellations in tuscany you know brunello de montalcino and all these lovely places but um super tuscans was the term and the name given to producers who decided no we're not having that anymore mavericks Mavericks. Mavericks, yeah we're not going to be told what grape varieties we can use in our wines we're not going to be told what yields what winemaking techniques etc etc we're just going to do it our way and a lot of them wanted to use some Cabernet Sauvignon in their their blend some Merlot in their blend and they did that at the risk of being declassified declassified where they couldn't put yeah yeah, where they couldn't put that label on that said you know yeah you've got the seal of approval from the DOCG and they went ahead and made the most amazing exquisite wines like superb wines that went on to be seriously iconic like Sasakaya Tiganello. Tiganello. But again, so this is sometimes bureaucracy and when things are set in stone a certain way, it takes a long time and a bit of a revolution for things to actually change and shake things up. And this is one really good example of it happening. So things are slow in the world of wine, um, sometimes, especially in the old world countries. Um, But, you know, you can see it can be shaken up. Yeah, I mean, you have in Bordeaux, what do they call them? The garage, the ga- yeah, the, the, gara- the garage producers. Um, uh, Jonathan Maltus would yeah. be one flying winemaker who came in and and the yeah. dome and all these fabulous wines that yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. An outsider coming in to to shake things, shake up, things doing up. things with different types of oak and all sorts of stuff, and you know, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. interesting. So again, I said the reason why people 
uh, want to know what is going on with a label is so that they can actually understand if they like the style, the contents in it. But there are a few things that you know whether you actually realise that you know about a wine. Does that make sense? No. When you know, when you actually realise you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what I'm trying to say is on every bottle of wine, there yes. will be, you know, the name of the, the producer or the brand. Mm-hmm. Okay. The vintage, which yes. is the year the grapes were picked or harvested. Mm-hmm. Harvested. Um, the size of the bottle, whether it's a 750 ml or a half bottle, the alcohol percentage, which will give you an indication, a little bit, and now this is a little bit, mm, um, but if it is a low alcohol, below 10, it usually denotes that it might be a little bit off dry. Generally speaking, a lot of this is generally speaking. Mm-hmm. If it's 11 to 12% alcohol, it'll be lighter and bo- give the impression of lighter in body. And say if it's a 15, 14 and a half, 15, it's going to be more rich and full bodied. Yeah, style. and you're kind of, you, yeah. you're talking, touching on whites and reds there when you yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely agree that if you see a red that has, say, 13% or 13.5%, you could expect middle a, of the road, a, yeah, kind a, of a lighter to medium yeah. bodied yeah. wine as opposed to 14, 15%, you're definitely going to, because the alcohol itself adds body. Yeah. In the form of glycerol, yeah. so you know there alone you're going to know you're dealing with a, a, a bigger wine. A more, yeah, so a more th- they're just wine. little teeny things. Now we are going to give you loads of little, you know, with the kit quiz, the likes of trocken, you know, what is a trocken? The health warning is on all the labels as well, and they all contain sulfites. And generally speaking, they will have the importer that um, is distributing the brand Sometimes or the wine so. as well. Yeah. Um. So. You know, you actually yeah. know more than you think. And if you just pay attention to the wines that you are, look at the front and back label, see what it tells you mm. about the style, see what you like, see what you don't like, see what you understand, see what doesn't make any sense to you. Yeah. And um, I mean, yeah. I, I think it is always helpful to have a little glance at the back label because so many of them have tasting notes or give a style note and, and give so you an idea. And so many of them have BS marketing on the back as well. They do. More they so do. New World and more so New World. Okay, fair Where enough. I have a few classics that I'm going to share with you later. I know, but they're not going to say like it's a full-bodied, rich, robust, full of bramble fruits and hint of spice or whatever if it if it's not a fuller-bodied kind of fruit-forward, you know, wine. Do you know what I mean? Like they can't completely invent it, you would like to think. No, but some of the stuff that they have written on it is basically Linda and Antonia once upon a time lived here <laughs> and once they drank wine in our vineyard. It's like nothing to do with the wine. Well, it's that's different. Like, I'm just talking about know, a, know, like a I tasting know. note or a style note yeah. um, to describe the flavour, you know, yeah. pro- profile of the wine or to give the consumer exactly. an idea as yeah. to what is the wine. So it's worth having a glance. Um do you know, I was thinking about, we had this example um, last week at the seminar of a wine and, and somebody spotted the back, at the back label had like a shelf life, you know, it's, it's oh. like drink before. I think and, that's and a stupid thing for people. It was awful. Yeah, and, the, and the MW who was, it was talking, it was, it was in the context of something completely different. Um, it was to do with packaging and things like that. Said, "Oh no, it was it was a bad decision in hindsight. It was, it should never have been done because it's it's kind oh, of suicide. It's commercial stupid. suicide for I have producers. seen that as well. I just crack yeah. up and like, here's one I think we should get rid of yeah. in a bin end. You know, but and the wine could be fine. I know, but they've just. But you know what? I I do think some consumers are a bit misguided when it comes to shelf lives. Like, I mean, I've you know, I'm sure you've seen this." I know loads of people who are into their wine and, you know, I was thinking of my, my you know, my father-in-law. Um, he had he had tons of wine, but I would go down there. Uh, he was from the countryside. Oh, the country. 
the country. I know it, like some people are terribly offended by the fact that Dublin people uh, generalise the rest of the country as being the country. from the country. <laughs> it's terrible, I know. But anyway, um, I'd go down and there would be like great wines but there'd also be like tons of young wines that didn't have the kind of shelf life that he thought they had and okay. oh sure once he bought it he could go go in the press and it could be there forever do you know it might even been a Campo Viejo or you know something like that like Hoven you know whatever the case may be but it was it was not fit for drinking then by the time he would be opening it and so some people think that you know God you know I can drink a wine whenever you can't my sister-in-law called over to me recently and brought over a sparkling um, vino verde oh yeah um, and it was just like she's like I bought this a year ago I'm sure it's nice well, now in fairness she didn't say that that's a big fat lie she actually said this is probably past its best because obviously she hangs out with me and she knows a bit more than right. you know and she's like will we just open it and try it and I said yeah absolutely because you couldn't tell you yeah. know and there's no vintage on it and things like that so we opened it up and we tasted it and it was a little bit vinegary very sharp very acidic nothing to it so it went down the sink ah gosh yeah so my partner came down the next day and go did you drink that bottle I'm like no I actually didn't it went down the sink he goes it must have been really bad yeah. <laughs> it was but that's um, the point so I mean it would be lovely to be able to help consumers but putting an actual shelf life on the label is city. is pro- problematic for, and for producers 99% of the wines that are in your independent wine shop your supermarket are meant to be consumed within I'm going to say very generally here 12 to 18 months mm. very generally you're not supposed to store it if you get a lovely gift of a bottle look yeah. it up beforehand before you start cellaring it Yeah, well, because it- most people are afraid to open the good bottle Yes, uh, thinking oh this is really special and it's yeah. like it, like the it, fact that you've paid 20 euro plus for it does not mean that it has aging potential Yeah, and especially nowadays when people are going towards you know fresher brighter juicier styles like lighter bodied styles those are generally more fruit forward and don't have as much of a of a, of a shelf life or aging potential Um. I was wondering whether I can go back to where you were talking about people aren't necessarily buying to, to age and store anymore. It's mm-hmm. because a lot more people are not necessarily living somewhere where they have potential space, you know, to, to age anything. And again, the worst place that you can store wine is your kitchen mm-hmm. with the fluctuation of temperatures or the attic where the heat rises. So if you're storing wine, it should be on its side in a cool, consistent dry area mm-hmm. and um, I, like again if you if you live in an apartment you know in your wardrobe would be the best not with smelly shoes now but you know okay <laughs> I mean, it is an issue and I don't like, yeah well, do I mean, you, do I you just have think, many wines that you're storing I've known you see like I'm, I, w- I'm a I buyer would to have, drink like no I am a buyer I would have but I have to say just with the amount of tasting I have to do like I, I'm constantly depleting the stock so I've kind of given up <laughs> I'm trying to collect Um it's but a I would I did something to get into it's yeah. a lovely thing but you need to be educated you need to do yeah. your wine courses you need, to yeah. you need to listen to all of our episodes yeah. obviously and then you'll learn <laughs> something I hope <laughs> um, so let's do will we do our quiz yeah go for it okay Antonia yes Reserva R-I-S-E-R-V-A is on what la- type of country's label Italy, uh, Chianti. No, or I S E or V A. Yeah, Italy. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Italy, Chianti. Yeah, yeah. Grant, and thanks. two years minimum aging in oak. Excellent. Thank you. What does it mean if a wine is labelled as vegan? 
it means that no animal or fish products have been used in the Ew, making of the wine or the finding not. of the wine. No, well, I mean, people, look, Isinglass, fish bladders um, and egg whites have traditionally been used to fine a wine, to take all the particles out. And uh, let me tell you, it doesn't leave any remnants of either in the wine. It's just used to fine. Okay, so I know it sounds freakish, but it's not. Anyway, the point is, it means that neither have been used in the finding of a wine. And I have to be honest, nowadays, a lot of producers are steering away from that towards the bentonite, which is a clay that is used to find the wine. Thanks. Um, If I am vegan and the wine doesn't state that it is vegan, can I still drink it? God, you're getting a bit obsessed with veganism, aren't you? Yep. Say that question again. I missed it. If I am a vegan. Yes. I am not. And the wine does not state that it is vegan. Can I still drink it? You can, but um, like you're taking the risk that it has non-vegan. You so know, I wanted you to answer this with this. Uh, <laughs> with what? <laughs> that not necessarily all wine producers will be certified vegan, that they may be practicing. So again, this is another, the, the thing, vegan, another reason why yeah. you need to make friends with your independent wine shop and they will know. Okay, but vegan consumers will be they'll quite. still be taking a chance yeah of course I know yeah the, yeah okay okay um I have picked up a Sancerre what grape is it Sauvignon Blanc thank you oh I have a lovely Pinot Grigio it says vintage 2015 what should it taste like and you're now in 2023 yeah it should taste like it has no fruit it's a little bit oxidated it's just faded. It's it's not going to taste like a fresh fruity Pinot Grigio. It's going to be stale. Because it's not supposed to. Because keep. it doesn't have okay. that shelf life. It won't have lasted. It should have been consumed within 12 months or 18 tops. The back label here says this wine is dry. Yes. I like fruity wines. Yes. So you can have a dry wine that's fruity. Absolutely. Most wines on the shelf that are fruity are dry. They have less than three grams, you know, or less than three or four grams per litre of residual sugar. But you can have a dry wine that has very little residual sugar, but has all that kind of fruit concentration. Thank you. What does trocken on a German wine label mean? Dry. Less than three grams per litre of residual sugar. It says Bourgogne on a label. What type of wine is this? It's a wine from Burgundy. What kind of grape is this? Well, you haven't said if it's a Blanc or... Well, how are people supposed to know? Bourgogne Blanc means Chardonnay. But if it doesn't say Bourgogne Blanc or Rouge. Look at the colour of the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. On that note. (laughs) Is that it? Okay, okay. Thanks. Phew, I was starting to sweat. (laughs) Okay, so thanks folks for listening and we're going to come back to you with part two next week which will be where when we will delve into New World uh, wine labels which is kind of like a whole other ball game. Yeah, because yeah. we're going to be talking much more about branding, aesthetics and that as well. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So which is really not specific to New World. No, in no, general, no, but we'll just talk we'll about cover a bit more. Yeah. Well. Great, okay. So what do you think? We do these podcasts because we want you, our listeners, to know what's going on in the world of wine and be informed when it comes to your wine buying decisions. We always love hearing from you. So let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Twitter. Sign up for our newsletter. And if you haven't subscribed to Wine, the long and the short of it yet, make sure you do that wherever you get your podcasts. Or reach out to us by email at ourwinepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. Cheers. Cheers.
You have been listening to Wine, the Long and the Short of It with me, Antonia Dominguez. And me, Linda Coogan, in proud partnership with Give Wine a Future.